on the surface, Netflix's The Two Popes might look akin to My Dinner with Andre in its two-person dialogue about faith and tolerance. But the film is so much more. And here with us today on Crew Call is director Fernando Mareas and production designer Mark Tildesley to talk about how they built out this epic. My first, my first question is, when this... T- tell me the whole backstory, how the script came your way, um, and why why you decided to do it. You had mentioned last night at the at the AFI premiere, you're not, you know, particularly religious, but this is such a beautiful movie. This is such a um, yes, it's a movie about tolerance, but it, it's so beautiful. And to really, I mean, you know, you you know how hard this town can be when it con- comes to film. This is sweeping festival audiences and away, and um, immediately, I know this is, a, I'm being long-winded here, but immediately at a Telluride, it was like, this is best picture. This is gonna, this is definitely a best picture contender. And you know, it was very heartwarming to hear that. Um, going way back, and again, like I said, I know I'm being long-winded, I don't know if you ever saw this film, Saving Grace, it was done in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I remember the film. Yeah, with yeah, Tom yeah. Conti. Yeah, yeah. That's the only other Pope film I ever saw. Yeah. And But that was a fanciful one. That wasn't even about, uh, about a real Pope. And mm-hmm. it was very fanciful in how he mm-hmm. he gets out of the Vatican and he goes and he, he becomes like a commoner and, <laughs> and, 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 and deals with the real people and kind of, you know, to become a better, to be get a yeah. pontiff. Mm-hmm. But going back to the question... Um, what what brought you what what brought you to this? What spoke to you? Well, actually, in 2015, I was invited by Dan Lee, the producer, to make a film on the Pope. He just uh, wrote me, "Are you interested? Would you be interested in doing anything on the Pope?" There was no script, and I and I liked the Pope very much, so I said, "Yes, uh, I, I am." At that point, he had just published the Pope, had just published the Laudata Si which is his encyclica on, on, on the planet, our common uh, home. That's in English, it's common home. Yeah, it's our Correct. casa comun, yeah, in common Portuguese. Home. Yeah, and uh, which talks about environment and s- social issues and environment. And I'm, I'm very concerned about the future of our planet, of our species, actually. And, and I thought it was wonderful, Pope writing an encyclica on that. And I became a big fan of Pope Francis. So I said, yes, anything. But I was busy because uh, I directed the opening of the Olympic ceremony in Rio. So for two years, I said, I, I can't. Till the end of 2016, I'll be busy. And But he waited. And then in end of 2016, he called me back. And he already had a, a script because he had read the play, the, the Pope, written by Anthony McCartan, and asked Anthony to adapt his own play for script. So he just sent me the play, and it's a, a, the script, and it's a beautiful script. And I read it, and I jumped in. Now, was this – I know that, you know, there's an asterisk with the film that says it's inspired by, but this seemed very believable. Did these events really go down? Did he meet Francis? Did Benedict meet Francis at the summer home? Was there a kind of like he had an eye on him – for him, I know they have to go through the vote and everything. Yeah, but yeah. did he have an eye on him to be his uh, successor? Uh, we don't know. What, what we know is that uh, uh, they did meet alone for three times between both uh, elections, 
and uh, and the film talks about one of these meetings. And but I, I w- no, nobody knows what they they have spoken because it was private private conversation. So what uh, Anthony McCartan did, he took writings or, or interviews or, or sermons from both both popes and, and combined. So whatever Benedict would say about divorce, then whatever uh, Francis would say about divorce, and, and became a dialogue. And they disagree in many points. So he used this this different points and, and created a dialogue. That's the beauty of the script. So even if they never had those conversations, uh, what they say in the film is exactly what they said at some point in their life. So you can believe everything in the film comes from research. So you can even, there's some jokes with Fanta, the Bob Benedict drinking Fanta or watching a very cheesy TV show called Commissar Rex. And that's true. I mean, he does drink Fanta and he does watch the show. So it's everything comes from research. And, of course, you have to create the situation, recreate the dialogues, but uh, you can't believe in, in what you, you, you watch. Now, the other interesting thing I wanted to ask you about with the film is, and, again, I don't know all the details about this, but Benedict gets um, has this history stalking him of – that he knew a lot about what was going on with with the you know with the with 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 the molestations that were going on throughout the church, and then what's interesting is you go into France France Francis's complicated history during with the junta. Yeah. Um. Tell me about getting around those things because Benedict, you know, Francis is so beloved, you know. Um, uh, Roma Downey and her husband, um, uh, they call him the Pope of Hope. Uh, that's, their, that's their nickname for him, uh, for Francis. But the Benedict of it all, getting around that, tell me, tell me about that. Like it was very interesting, like during the um, – and we're going to talk about the production design in a second. It's very interesting during his confession when Benedict confesses – and I'm taking – again, I'm taking a small tangent here – I love City of God. When I saw City of God, it reminded me of Sergio Leone. Mm-hmm. And I love how you play with sound. <laughs> and you continue to play with sound in this movie in a great way. And so when Benedict confesses, it goes to a high pitch. It's true, yeah. And we can't hear him because it's the stuff we really don't want to hear. Yeah, or, it's or, really or maybe, interesting. Can, maybe, you talk, can you tell me about that, that, yeah. that, whole, that whole dramatic choice? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, the film, uh, since the beginning, was a film on Pope Francis. The name of the film was The Pope. And and we would have the first draft. We had uh, his childhood, so when he was nine in Argentina, and, and had the first thoughts about becoming a priest, then his relationship with the family, and it, it would go. And and then as we developed the script, we start cutting all of this, this. Because it, it felt a bit like a, a biopic. And in the end, the, the, the center of the film became really the conversation between him and... But this was during the process that we, we shaped, reshaped the, the script. So uh, when you watch the film, there's much more on Francis because it was supposed to be a film on Francis and t- until four months ago. The name of the film was The Pope. We just changed it before uh, when we were creating the poster. We decided to change the, the name. We watched the film and there was a balance with, between both of them. 
that's why we we we, we see much more of Francis' side than than Benedict. And and but anyway, both of them did really stupid things in their life in their past, <laughs> which has to do with child abuse with, with Benedict. I mean, he 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 tolerates. He knew, and, and for twelve years he didn't do anything. So that's a big thing. And on, on Francis' side was in some way he he was uh, he didn't collaborate with the junta, but he 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 could have uh, been more against it. You know. Anyway. And Baba, you were talking about the confession. Yeah, the confession, uh, what Anthony McCartan, who wrote the script, says is that uh, if, if we wanted to, to hear all the confession, Benedict's confession, it would be too long. We would need like another feature for that. So it was better just to, to let the audience know that he's talking about child abuse, and we go, we cut the sound and let the audience imagine whatever, because the list would be too long. Yeah, and too, and too severe. And too severe, yeah all, yeah. all the problems of the church, he could. I mean, he was, he's in the church forever, so he could tell all the stories from the last 67 years of 70 years of the church, and that would be too much. Have either one of them seen the film, or are they seeing the film? No, and they, I think they haven't. And, and if, even if they see it at some point, they won't tell us, unfortunately. I'd love to know what they think, but I'm sure that even if they see it, they won't. Has, has, any, has there been any... Because I remember this was, this is a big thing during Oscar season is, you know, like with Philomena and Silence, yeah. you know, wh- whenever you get the Vatican to see it. Has any, has anyone, has the Curious seen it? Has No, we been- just show to some people from the Vatican, but outside the Vatican. And we'll have a new screening now on, on the 13th December. And we're inviting some cardinals and some, but that's going to be it. I, I mean... I'm, I'm sure we won't movie. be able to, to have an official screening like Philomena uh, did. Actually, by the way, the, 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 the Tracy Stewart, who produced this film, is also the producer of Philomena. It's a coincidence. So she was confident that we were going to be able to show the Pope, but I'm not. And was this always at Netflix, or was there a chance this was going to go elsewhere? Or, or No, I think the, the Dan Lin, the producer, he, he wanted to make the film and he developed the whole thing, invited me, and he showed the package to, to Netflix and they bought it immediately. So I think there was never a different... And I'm glad because the, all, the, all the relationship with Netflix was very good. I'm very, I have all the freedom to do the film I wanted to make and, and, uh, and they have money so you, you can really think whatever you think you, that you can produce. This is a really, and, and the release couldn't be better. I mean, we, we're going to 35 film festival. We got some five awards already, and uh, and then we'll have a theatrical release plus the platform. I mean, I'm very happy with the package. Now, you worked with Mark on Constant Gardener. <laughs> Tell me about calling him up again after after what? Why was Mark your? Uh, why was Mark the guy for this? Because he's brilliant, <laughs> and because he's a good friend. And because he's a very good Catholic, he goes to church every week, he knows, he understands and likes this world. So I knew he could, I mean, not only be, be, bring his creativity, and, and, uh, but I, I could learn a lot uh, with Mark. I'm not sure about to the good process. Catholic bit. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but you go to the, for me, if you go to the church, you, you're already progressive Catholic. Yeah, yeah trying to you, think it through. You're in the journey. As, How your mother yes, says. As my mother says, we're, we're all on the journey, which is something said in the, uh, by... Uh, by Bergoglio to, to uh, Benedict in the garden. Uh, yeah, so, no, but the truth of the matter is not that, is that 
I'm actually the partner of Tracy C with the producer and um, life partner. And um, this script arrived on our table. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just glanced the word Pope <laughs> on the kitchen table amongst all her other worlds. <coughs> and I thought, I've got to have a look at that. So I had a quick sneak preview. And I snuck it off to my office and gave it a quick read. And thought, I said, oh, there's a very interesting um, thing. What's that, Tracy? She said, oh, it's something Fernando sent me. And uh, <laughs> anyway, um, she says, I think you'd be interested. I said, yeah, I think I would be, yeah. So anyway, so I just <clears> – but I had worked with Fernando before, and um, I'm uh, delighted to be able to have done it again. We, we, we were a team, myself, Fernando, Cesar, the cameraman – and Tracy all worked on the Consigana, which was another... Which is a brilliant movie. Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, the same team, and we, yeah. we became very good friends. So. We have a shorthand now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which is good. Now, tell me about, was there a decision, was there anything shot at the Vatican? Or was everything built for studio? Nothing shot at the Vatican? Martin. No, no. We, we, you, you can't do anything on a, a dramatic film at the Vatican. You can, use, you can go in there for documentaries and various stuff, but not not. Because not you did drama. the map room. That's the one thing. I, 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 you did the map room. Yeah, we, 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 did the, we did the Sistine Chapel, which was the... So basically, what, we, what you're allowed to do... It's, <coughs> the, the Vatican has a perimeter on the outside, so you can walk towards St. Peter's Square and look in on a long lens, and that's as far as you can go. Wow. So we did, we, did, we did as much as we could from the boundary looking in. And, um, but beyond that, you have to make it up. So you have the choice either to build that in the studio or to try and replicate that somewhere in another location. So we, we did a bit of both, but the, the one thing that you, you cannot replicate is the Sistine Chapel, which obviously uh, we had to start thinking about how we were going to try and achieve that. So we, we decided we needed to build it, so we went to Cinecitta Studios in Rome, the famous studios, and got the largest studio we could. It wasn't big enough to take the height of the Sistine Chapel, but it was wide enough for the footprint. And so we started to think about the process of how we could reproduce this. Now, I don't want to get too long-winded, as you say. No, no, here no, we tell go. me. So, so the, the, one of the issues is that when, when we, we went on a special tour, we went on a tour of the Sistine Chapel with um, Enrico Bruschetti, who's a sort of, uh, he wrote an amazing book called The Treasures of the Vatican, and he's a leading expert and historian. And in fact, his Grandfather, I'm not sure if his grandfather or father was a sacristan in the Sistine Chapel. So he actually had dressed a couple of the popes. And so he had super inside information. And he took us on a tour of this thing. And he's passionate about this place. And um, we walked in and it was like, wow, this is amazing. Because I, I hadn't actually seen it before. I've been to Rome many times. I hadn't actually managed to take the time to queue to watch this place so we got we got straight in with him and we went into this place and it the color because it's been restored is like so bright and vibrant and extraordinary uh it was quite shocking you know you think wow because um, you have this impression that it's slightly more patinaed like you see it sometimes in photos and other films like you know it all looks a bit gothic and <laughs> but it's actually like a super bright tableau of color and so that got us thinking about, you know, how we were going to re reproduce this. So we, uh, we talked about it with Cesar, the cameraman, and, and, <clears throat> and we decided that this was going to definitely feature, you know, we're going to feature this strongly, so we've got to do it well. Uh, we tried 
the process of printing it. Well, actually, actually, no, sorry. First of all, we discussed whether we could paint it, and we worked out that the person hours on trying to paint this would mean that the film would be over before we'd finished, so that wasn't <laughs> happening. Number two, we went to a print version, which is, you know, classic, just printed, photographic printing, and it was very flat, and, the, and um, it just didn't look convincing. And then one of the Italian art directors, um, a guy called Stefano, told us about this company in Milan called Tattoo Wall. And basically, in a nutshell, they, they, they make a, a tattoo, like a kid's tattoo on a film. So you put it on your hand with water, you remember that thing, yeah. and then you peel it off, yeah? Yeah. And it leaves the ink yeah. stain. So what, what they suggested we do is we make the plaster walls, and they came and they did a test with us, and they put this uh, uh, tattoo onto the, our plaster and peeled it off, and all the ink sinks into the plaster so it becomes like a fresco so it has a super intensity of color and it has all the texture of of the of the thing that's so, amazing so. like huge like yeah well they, they they print it on great sheets because so. i was thinking maybe it was digital like i'm yeah. like how could you do this because like you said you finish painting it the, the production would be done yeah no, what, what, um, no. There's a little another twist in this story, which is that the, the the so we got this system sorted, but unfortunately the the material was difficult for us to get hold of. So we had to, because the Vatican had sold the rights to the to the artwork to the company that cleaned it, which was Jap- Sony, I believe, or a Japanese company. Uh, we couldn't get the worldwide rights, so in fact we had to go back to some <laughs> old source material, which was pre pre the cleaning, and it was very very dark from the candle burning there the, the the imagery was very patinaed and, and dark um so we tried to rescue that with photographic processes by lightening it up but that wasn't really working very well so in the end for the sections that we really wanted to concentrate on which you see in the film we go into close-ups we painted with some scenic artists from all the best scenic artists we could get hold of from Italy. we painted a, what we got a one-third scale version of certainly the last judgment which is the wall behind the main high altar uh, we painted that scenically by hand. Then we photographed it and then blew it back up to full size to print it on our tattoo uh, tattoos and put it onto the walls. So in all, the um, the process for, for, for wallpapering it with, with, or tattooing the plaster was about three, three and a half weeks and seven weeks to build the rest of the structure, make the plaster walls and all of the sculptures and the floor and That's everything else. That's mind-blowing. So... There's a little film of it you can see. Someone did a uh, oh, wow. time lapse. You can see it going together. Now, was it the same situation with the map? Because of the major art no. installations, well, I'm thinking there's yeah. the Sistine, the, and then there's yeah. the map the rooms, map. which is the is which is the, the way you get into the Sistine Chapel. You come down the famous yeah. map rooms. Actually, no, we we filmed that at another palace which is very similar date to the vatican which is called Cap- caprola 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 and that has a map room with four or five maps so we we used that location so it was as, as fernando says it's like a, it was like a jigsaw puzzle we were like going through one door into another house out of another house just to try and um, find enough um, locations to make up the world of the vatican so we filmed at uh, caprola at um, farnese Cassetta, Cassetta, Fanesi, one other. But anyway, we made made these worlds up. So, yeah. and and even when we see the St. Peter's Square, it's not St. Peter's Square. Most of the the, the shots in, in St. Peter's Square is CG, yeah. green screen, and and recreate the whole thing because we couldn't, sh- we weren't yeah. allowed to be inside the square. Now, a very interesting 
dramatic choice here is during the confession, it's all white. Can you tell me about that? That's I found well, that very interesting. Because that's the that's the sacristy, the, yeah. the room of tears. It is white. And when we visited with Enrico Bruschini that he was mentioning, we were for some reason we, we could three of us, yeah, me, we, me, you, and, and Cesar were allowed to. Nobody goes inside the the, the sacristy, yeah, but we, the room of tears. So it's exa- exactly like we Mark reproduced exactly this, like it is, and it is white. There's no paint, no. It's just some interesting frescoes. that it was done. Yeah, as a stylistic choice between us, creatively myself and uh, Cesar, we, we, we painted we, white. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we, we actually no, we, we actually we actually decided that the, the, the rather than the classic sort of uh, lighting that you would uh, see in the in the in churches, which is that sort of light through the windows and a bit of smoke. We would keep it really clean, so we made it. We wanted it to seem like a like a, like its own fresco. So when you see these two characters inside the space, yeah, they're, they're, there's no great shadows. You, they they look almost like they are attached to the surface of the of the of the Sistine Chapel. And I think likewise in in inside that room, which is perfectly white, apart from a couple of glimpses of the old ceiling, we we did the same thing. We just kept it very simple. So. It sort of it, it's, it was Cesar that drove that idea, yeah. This, the cameraman, yeah. 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 He, he tried to turn up. He said, "No, let's not do it like normal. Let's let's turn it on its head and uh, let's uh, let's try this in, in in a different way." So it's a great symbolism. Yeah, that it. You yeah, know. yeah. I think the great this was a very good idea, Cesar, because usually when you, as Mark was saying, when you shoot at. Uh, Church, you use the references, the light from oil paintings, from uh, yeah. from I mean, yeah. Baroque and all that, the light coming from the window and all that. And he decided to use frescoes as, as the reference of the image. So it's not the light that uh, gives you the shape of things, it's, it's the color. So the light is very flat, and the color is what defines the shapes, and, and uh, like a fresco. Mm. And... Uh, and he tried, and, and it works beautifully. Because with this flat light, you can see the actors. I mean, you, you, you see any, any thoughts that goes behind the minds of the, the actors, you can get because they're very well lit. You see them. You see their faces. And yeah. it looks beautiful. It looks like a fresco. And another parallel was that when, when we were working on the section in Argentina, uh, we, took a, we, we did a tour of all, all of the places where... Bergoglio had worked and been, and we were in the Fischer or the favelas, <clears throat> just on the edge of Buenos Aires. And as we wandered around, yeah, we realized that actually they also tell their modern day stories, their modern histories, and their heroes. They tell it in the world of the mural by painting onto the walls. Yeah, and um, so Fernando had this idea that maybe we could do our opening sequence, which was the story of St. Francis, and we would. <clears throat> Ask the locals to help us make an artwork and I paint it. I noticed that. I yes. noticed that. So, so that was a sort of. So there was a. So there's in terms of the two worlds: the worlds of the Vatican and its frescoes, the worlds of the favelas and the murals. We we sort of paralleled those two to tell the story. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, about walls in the film, yeah. so why not walls telling us the story as well? Yeah. The other thing that was just really, really true was in the summer residence. Um, just the furniture, like it's elegant but old. It's very inside. You know, when you go into a rectory, a really nice rectory, mm. or in Italy, a mm. really nice home, 
it's old but a little worn. Yeah. But it's 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 old but elegant. Yeah. Old but elegant. And 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 you yeah, I pitch think perfect. The, it, so we we had a even, fat, amazing even down set. to the colors. Yeah, the set decorator is a, a beautiful woman called um uh, Veronique Veronique Melchay. She's from Belgium, but she works with me. We, we've worked together a few times. But um, there was a. I, I think. I think what came across was the the, the mood of that room. <gasps> I had a sort of melancholia. It almost felt like a going into old grandma's old place or into an older room, yeah. as you say, that slight patina where it's down a bit. You know. So actually, in in a strange way, you 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 know. And even that piano. I remember going to my grandma's. She had a piano and all exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that that feeling of 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 being in, in inside and inside the real world. The real sadness, not not the glory of the Vatican, but actually, right, the, it's the sad. sad and that telly. My, my my grandma used to have her telly on, almost like a heater. She had the colour so bright that it would light the room, and it was just just for company. And and so yeah, the the I think that room and and the mood that between lighting and set deck in there is really pitch perfect for the two of them sat almost in silence next to each other in that very. Yeah. Flat two frame uh, t- uh, with the two of them sat next to each other with the lamp in between. <laughs> anyway. And then the other thing that I love about the movie, and I think this is, you know, like before I saw it, it was billed to me as um, as um, my dinner with Andre, but with two popes. It's not that, it's so much more. It's an epic movie. I know there's a lot of conversation in this, but this is an epic movie. And one of the great parts is when you go back into Francis's life in Argentina. And tell me about that. It's just gorgeous. 1950s, very classic. The dance halls. Um, tell, me, tell me about building that design. Yeah, those were nice. I mean, we used we used uh, different uh, color correction for each period of the film. So when we go back to the fifties, the Tango Club, it's black and white, and, and well, it's really mm. beautiful set. It's all sets, it's beautiful decoration. And then in the seventies is more handheld. Is the, the palette is more feels more like films from the seventies. And but I think Mark can tell yeah, us no, about no. the sets. Yeah no the so tango club yeah so and, and the, the whole so thing. yeah the surprising thing is that the pope was was a great tango dancer Pope Francis <laughs> and loved that and he actually worked at this club tango club which is not there any longer but he was the bouncer and it's, so this is really exactly what happened um, and um, I, I uh, was very we were very lucky enough to work with an amazing designer in her own right called uh, Mercedes Alfonsi and uh, she is totally Buenos Aires Argentinian uh, a, a great uh, teacher and leader in, 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 in all things Argentinian and you know we had this impression of the tango well I did it as a, as a Londoner, European Londoner uh, you know it was all this sort of sultry sexy colours and all this stuff but actually you know, it, was, it was much more uh, of a family event of a sort of elegant contained thing you know so she, she, she sort of uh, corrected us gently to uh, towards that really sophisticated look and Argentina at that time was, was um, you know uh, you know the the sort of the the, the ballrooms were really elegant. The, the Art Deco architecture of that city is amazing. So, so um, uh, yeah, it was just a very elegant period. And and, um, and then and then uh, it was it was a very 
not tricky thing, but because it's a modern history, and certainly uh, I can tell you as, a, as an Englishman from the United Kingdom, being in Argentina, is to, you know, and, and that recent um, confrontation that we had, it's like very tricky, and they were so generous to me. It was wonderful, uh, you know, and... Um, they 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 allowed us to to uh, to film in all sorts of places and in fact we did some very i mean there were obviously some very tricky subjects there that, as you say are quite tender still in fact um it's, it's true to say that francis is a divisive character in 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 argentina when you go around and talk to people it's the love hate thing yeah uh, some people really um can't go over uh, his past and um Anyway, so just to say, so we had to uh, do a couple of different pl- things, which was that raid on the, on the, um, in the Bavaria, which is a, an area that his young priests were working in. We had to build that. Yeah, that was completely built from yeah, scratch. We yeah. built that up oh, from the scratch. The mission. The we mission built from scratch, that. Yeah. We built it on a plot of land inside, an, uh, uh, inside a, an area that was looked right for the period. But the actual places that d- didn't exist any longer but um it was it was it was it was tricky not tricky we just had to work very closely with the local community and try and involve them so in the vavelas they did the paintings when we worked down there some of them were helping us with the carpentry and doing things and um you know we had to try and it was an interesting project you you couldn't just come in and impose yourself as a film company and it, it made it a very really beautiful experience and um but i just can say a, a lot of the a lot of the locations there we 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 went to the real places so for instance the the library maybe you could say a bit about that um you know the collegium maxima the collegium maximum is where uh, bergoglio was the the lead of the collegium maximum and we shot where so when we see him coming into as a seminarist for the yes is the where he came in from it's the same door and then we shot when he's uh he's, he's in the library yeah yeah the library is the proper library even the 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 confessional box where he had his epiphany is exactly the one you go there and some people go there to, to see because there's a little sign saying here's where uh, Pope Francis oh, wow. had his epiphany and so we shot in the, and that, that's very nice I mean so most of the places in Argentina are the, the real place I, I wish he, he watched the film he would like yeah, to see his yeah. bedroom yeah, he will use his bedroom. I mean, as his bedroom is great. That's yeah, we used the one in the seminary. We had his office and his bedroom was the exact yeah, his one. Bathroom. It even had his name and the name yeah. tag on the door still. They yeah. left it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there was a great generosity in Argentina about yeah, yeah, allowing yeah. us to do these things. You know, because it's the real places. And um, yeah. was it was it your your experts? Because you mentioned like you had the Sistine Chapel expert. Were there a lot of um, Experts close to Francis or Benedict available as far as when, when it came to disciplines like production design and, and, and being an Argentina. No, no. In, in, Arge- yeah, in Argentina, we had a consultant, a Jesuit consultant, because we have some one or two mess and so what yeah. was on the table and, and how the, the actor should play the, the mm. say the mess. And so we had a consultant. And by the way, there was an interesting story because the, the guy who was working with us, helping us, he had, had been uh, Bergoglio's seminarist, was one of Bergoglio's students, and he hated Cardinal Bergoglio. He said, no, the guy is, was very unpleasant. Nobody liked him. He, was, he would never smile. Wow. Would, and then I started wow. uh, asking people, and nobody liked him. I mean, he was really like a pain in the ass. <laughs> was, yeah, no, the guy was really rude uh, with wow. the Pope. 
He said he wouldn't uh, eat with us. He wouldn't talk. He was very authoritarian. And uh, wow! And then this became my big, big issue. I mean, uh, everybody with whom I've spoken to in Argentina that knew had had any relationship with Bergoglio would ask because he's so different. When did he change, and why did he change? This guy, Otavio, he said, uh, I believe that I'm a faithful guy, so I believe that in the right moment when he was elected, the Holy Ghost came and changed him. Because mm. when we, I saw him coming out of the balcony, I was w watching with other uh, priests, and we saw him smiling and say, Buonasera, that was not, we didn't know that man. We had never seen him smile in our wow. whole life. Wow. And uh, so uh, that was very interesting. Then there was one guy from this place, Flores, Mm. was a friend of close to, to Bergoglio, like a friend. And he said, no, two years before, he was really a very difficult guy, but two years before he was elected, I felt he was already changed. There was something happening because he started changing like, like he knew he was going to... It's a quite interesting story. And uh, mm -hmm. he was a different person. You know, in, in, in our conversation here, what's, what's jogging my memory is how electric the look of your films are. Um, of course, my, my window into you is, is City of God, which I absolutely love. And then I could see that in Constant Gardner. It was very clear that this is directed by the same person that did City of God. And in this, did you – I can see that. I, I, I can see examples of you like in the sound. But did you feel – because of the, did you feel like, do you, is that an organic thing to carry a visual style from film to film? Or do you just do it as the story needs it? No, I mean, it depends on the story. What I do, those three films that you mentioned, uh, we, I shot with the same DOP, good friend Cesar Shaloni, he's Uruguayan. He just won the Silver Frog for this film two, two days ago. And, uh, and we, before we start anything, we, we, set in a, we, we sit down on a table for two weeks and we go scene by scene. First, we try to come up with a concept for the, how, how we're going to photograph, what, what kind of lenses, how, we're gonna, how the camera will behave. And then we go scene by scene, trying to understand the scene, trying to find out what's the main point. And anyways, for me, it's very helpful. I mean, for him, of course, because he, he, he plans what he's going to do during this six uh, two weeks and for me it's very good because it's an opportunity to go scene by scene and understand talking to him he's a good friend and I listen to him a lot so we have always have this process then on the day we, we plan a bit but uh, I don't storyboard I really go to the places and say I'm going to start from here I, I've even on City of God no no plan at all it's, wow because it's, uh, there's a great scene where you go I remember yeah no of course we, uh, we know what we want to do but uh, on the day me and Cesar were very open to change everything if uh -huh. on the day we think there's, there's a light coming and it's nice we just change everything it's more like jazz you know you feel it and then just go for it sometimes I play in different camera positions and then you do your first camera position and it work, works so, so well I say well, we don't need the rest let's just move on Okay. I'm very, I feel very free. But when I shoot, usually I, I shoot a lot of images, lot of, as, as much as I can, different angles, and, and uh, because when I really make the film, is is in the cutting room. So for me, shooting is just grabbing material so I can make a film uh, later on the cutting room, and, and that's where I, it's, it's the best video game. I love editing. I love 
And in this film, I had the best editor I ever had, called Fernando Stutz, young guy. He'd been to three years in a, in, a, in theolo theology. He studied theology. He's very educated, and, and he knows a lot of a, a lot about music. He's a big, big references and. and Oh, the music was great. Yeah, How, this was all Fernando very, Stutz. This is the editor. Awesome iconoclasm. Yeah, yeah. That, some that, music, that was, some funny music. It was great. The film has this balance between being funny and, uh, and touching issues. Fantastic. And this is a lot to do with Stutz, this guy. He's really brilliant, brilliant editor. Um, did How long was the shoot overall? 11 weeks. Okay. Four, four in Argentina and, and yeah. Yeah. In seven in how did that com how did that compare to City of City of God and and also City um, of God was ten, okay, and, yeah, but much more complicated. This this film was more controlled, I think. Two actors. I mean, we spent like seventeen days inside the Sistine Chapel, which is very controlled. I mean, everything's there, we're quiet. And you did yoga as well in the we Sistine. Did, yeah, well, yes, the, the in your Sistine so nice. Chapel. Yeah, the producer Tracy Stewart, she she does yoga every day. And so she invited some musicians, some that was friends, great. and we had a big session of yoga. That is wonderful. Inside. Have you seen the photos? <laughs> I have not seen the photos, but I heard the amazing. stories. Yeah, it was a, it's great. Um, my last question is, um, I'm wondering, tell me about getting nominated for City of God. That was mind-blowing. That had to be mind-blowing. Yeah, the, the, the funny thing like, about it is... Tell me, tell me about getting nominated and the whole takeaway from that. Yeah, Seed of God was a film made for Brazilian audience with no known actor. I was the first time directing, and, and the, the editor was the first <coughs> time, the, the writer was the first time, it was everybody. So we had no expectations at all. But the film worked well. But uh, the film wasn't selected for to, to run for best foreign uh, yeah. language when, when we release it in Brazil. Which so, is always an uphill battle yeah, when it's so not I just for, for, for a film yeah, here in the States. Yeah. And I moved on. I, I moved on. I was work, working, preparing The Constant Gardener. And Miramax at that time said, well, we want to make a campaign for, for, for the Academy again, but now not for foreign language, but for the, the other. I said, well, do what you want to do, but don't count on me. I'm not traveling and I'm not working on that because I'm, I'm involved in this film. And I just clicked. I mean, I forgot they were going to do anything. And then one day I was having a meeting with John Le Carré by chance, and the producer came and said, you know what, you've just been nominated. I had no idea. I didn't know uh, we were competing. I had no... It was all Miramax, you know. It's like a... <clears throat> just felt into my lap. I wasn't <laughs> expecting. I didn't even know that we were running. But then it gave... Uh, I mean, were you always going to do a TV spinoff? Of the film? No, what we did after that, I mean, after City of God, uh, we, we created a TV show in Brazil called City of Men uh, about two young boys in a favela, like 11 years old. Both uh, were, were uh, actors from the film. And we, we had uh, four seasons. So for f six years, we, we've done this, 10 seasons every year, and it was quite successful in Brazil. And it aired here uh, on Sundance Channel. I did, yeah, it was did, a, yeah, yeah, it was really, one of Sundance really, Channel's yeah, yeah. Uh, then, then, primary shows. Then my partner in, in Brazil, uh, he, he created a feature on City of Men. So there, there's also the feature. But the TV series is quite good. It's very inventive. Are, are both of you working again together anytime I hope, soon? I hope so. But now he's involved in 
really, really big. It just What's uh, your... made the bond, the last bond. Oh. And now it's going to That's something That's an independent bigger. film. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not yeah. sure if I'll have chances to work with him. Again. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm storing up my nuts so they have no, enough. Yeah. So I can go and do a really delicious project with Fernando. That's it. Okay, no, I, I wish I can. And yeah, no, no. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh my yeah. God! How how delicious! And what's next? What's next? I'm working on another project for Netflix as well, uh, on, on the climate crisis, which is my obsession. Okay. So we're still writing. Hope to shoot it in September, October next year. But we're developing. It's, I'm quite excited about it. Uh, and I can't think about anything else but the, the climate crisis. I think I'm very pessimistic about our future. I think we really, I mean, I have grandsons and they're going to have a terrible life. I mean, we say, oh, no, but this, I mean, the sea level will rise only in 2100. Well, my son, my, my grandson will be my mother's age, 82 at that time. I mean, it's not, it's tomorrow. I mean, and, yeah. we're, and we don't care. So I'm obsessed with this thing. I can't think about anything else so I'm are you going to go to making Venice? A, a film on that what are you going to go to Venice and, and to investigate that part no, of I it no I'm, I'm trying to the, the, the hard thing about uh, the subject is, is how to make a film that is uh, engaging which is uh, entertaining and, and people respond like, like this film like The Pope that's what I like it's a very difficult script because in the end of the day it's two guys talking about religions and, and, and serious uh, issues but I found a way to make it, uh, I mean, watchable, and people love it. And so my challenge now with the climate change project is to make the same thing. See if I can get peop people involved and informed about uh, where we are and, and about our future without being annoying and, and boring. And, and so let's see, that's the big challenge. But I'm, I'm very excited to, to go there. Excellent. Thank you.